0: We continue our investigation of the Paticca Samupada, developing our reflective capacities to investigate and see the, the way things are. this this realm of the emotions the feelings emotion in the English word emotion probably fits into the Vajna, Sanya, Sankara and all three of those would probably um, be what we mean by emotion and this whole realm of emotion the psychic realm of Feeling and vibrations, emotional vibrations, is uh, something that is very compelling, very overwhelming to people. That's why when I ask, can the nuns really see emotion or the feeling, or can they really be objective about it? I'm not being a woman, I don't. With men, men don't seem to have such a the obstacles with the emotions as the women do. I think as women become more rational and more develop their rational abilities, and of course the, the emotional nature can be seen as an object, more and more as an object rather than as a self. Now this is a very subtle path, and so it's, it's going to teach it, and uh, encourage people to develop it. The, in a community like this, we recognize and reflect on just the, the feeling of community and the way we affect each other. When you're, say, definitely living in such a pure way as, say, in Buddhist monasticism, and dedicated to the realization of truth, and all of us are on this path together, aren't we? There's the intention, the same intention, the same goal, uh, the same commitment uh, for every one of us we might not always feel as say some people probably feel more committed or emotionally more kind of committed or more faith or confidence in the practice than others others waver and wobble and and uh, never quite sure or uncertain, but this uh, is important to realize that this intention of realizing Nibbana is not to be made from an emotional position, not, to, not because you feel that you can, in the moment, that you want to do it, or, or that you're inspired, make this intention a very uh, deliberate, very rational intention. No matter what you're feeling like, so that you're you're facing your goal, your ultimate realization at at the, this level. What can be to be totally free from delusion, to be completely liberated from all delusion, false views, wrong views, all forms of suffering, and and. Uh, attachments to the sticky ramanas and the appearances of this sensory realm. So that is, that's the highest goal of any human, that a human being can possibly realize. It's, it's more than just being happy, isn't it? Not just being, to get happy and to feel uh, bliss, but it's, it's in It's the willingness to accept the totality of what we have, the way we are, the way things are, both its happiness and its suffering and its pleasure and pain. So it's not an escape trying to get out of it, out of the sadness or the pain of life by seeking some blissful state where we don't feel any of that, but it's the willingness to open to that. To, to the whole of it to this human experience through wisdom and, and through mindfulness and wisdom now for me this is not just any any um, hobby or pastime devoted a good part of my life to this because I can't think of anything better to do if I could think of something better to do I'd do it this path is it's, it's a very honest and direct way of looking at everything be able to see uh, see the the um, things as they are it doesn't diminish the qualities of, of the conditions it's not putting them all down as 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 if they were all useless or worthless or bad or inconsequential or trivial is it we're not trying to just dismiss the conditioned world and the emotions and feelings and the views and opinions the conventions as uh, as if they were all of the same quality, all useless and worthless or unimportant. (coughs) But we are able to by seeing their impermanent nature and the suffering, the unsatisfactoriness of them and the anatta, then we're no longer uh, we can we can always, we have a perspective we have we see things how they relate how things relate for example in just the contemplation of pratitya samuppada can't you, you as you realize just the the result of being born and and being conscious and feeling uh, then you can then you begin to have perspective on what you create around that the world, the views the attitudes that you create around the way things are so it's like in this, in this shrine room the, the way it is and then, then there's what we create in our minds about the way it is whether we feel happy or unhappy or confused or sad or or elated, or full of faith, full of doubt. Uh, whether we're thinking about anything that's happening here, we could be thinking about all kinds of things that are uh, that have nothing to do with this room at all, with this particular situation. We can be completely living, sitting here, and yet mentally uh, be somewhere else. That's how fast the mind moves, isn't it? The mind can can go to New Zealand faster than the body. Takes a while to get the body from here to New Zealand, but the mind can just go there in a in a flash. I'm contemplating that. Hey, Julia from Australia well, right. where is Australia you can actually sit here with your eyes shut and, and visualize where your home is your parents the street you live on the this, the that the whatever Remember? and that well, how different is that than if your body's physically there because while you physically you might be remembering Amravati in English. <laughs> the way your body is, where your mind where is your mind. And they've been trying to point this out. To bring to, to have this collectedness, to recollect yourself, compose and bring attention to to where the time, the place, the way things are. So Sister Paul left today and she she uh, seems to have uh, no sense for this kind of practice anymore. So quite a, a disappointment really because she uh, when uh, she arrived here at Amaravati just before the retreat she's, that morning she informed me that she had made up her mind to leave the order, which was like uh, well, quite a blow, actually. It was totally unexpected because I'd seen her in Switzerland a few weeks before. And even though I could tell that there was something on her mind, I didn't didn't even suspect that she, <laughs> after all these years, she would just suddenly make her mind up uh, in that way. One had given her a lot of uh, trust. The whole Swiss experiment was really her, due to her uh, efforts and, and encouragement. So suddenly, we find ourselves holding the bag, as they say. but I realized that she couldn't help it. She's somehow very much uh, something that you can't reach. And the uh, ability to contemplate uh, doesn't seem to... When I suggested to her during this retreat that she... Uh, since she'd already made up her mind, I, I wasn't asking her to... To investigate whether she really wanted to, you know, whether there's any doubt in her mind about her decision. But I, I asked her. I tried to explain to her about the investigation of doubt, just doubt itself, not necessarily doubt about whether she made the right decision or not. But uh, then, when I talked to her again, she said that she had absolutely no doubt that that's what, what, what she was going to do so uh I, where before I'd made a definite emphasis uh I wasn't expecting her to well, if you made a decision, and that's that's it Especially if you have a mind like hers, then it uh, you know the, you've already kind of suppressed any doubt then doubt isn't a part of it, but to see that in the in the mind that is confused and uncertain and and uh, which she had plenty of, a lot of confusion on certainty and, and uh, despair and all this, or feelings of sorrow. and man I g- could see that this was this was something that that uh, she really couldn't do. Well, she tried, definitely tried to do it. Now, when somebody leaves, then we what do we do? You know, probably necessary to talk about it and and uh, try to uh, think about it and what were the reasons why did she really have to go and she's going to this uh, guru in Wales and she feels she has a calling that, that God or some agent has has called her to some kind of mission. Now, my feeling about that is to is to see that as a as a condition of the mind. Yeah, that's what it is. I've had, God called me once too. In fact, I had an amazing experience once when an inner voice said very strongly, you are God. Fortunately, I didn't take it seriously. (laughs) In fact, they actually shattered me at the time. I thought, oh, I I don't want to be that. (laughs) (laughs) But they, and in the mind, can produce some very strong signs, and and not that these are even wrong, or that they can be interpreted in a wrong way. Now the practices of the of the Guru in Wales very much the. The kind of bhakti yoga type of thing, where you 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 really uh, you develop powers and psychic powers, and you you it's all very positive uh, and faith or belief oriented, and very an emphasis on on uh, on all of that kind of. those kind of practices. Now as Buddhists, we find that we see all that for what it is. There's conditions that arise and cease. Uh, In Buddhism, we're not after psychic powers or power or performing miracles or magic or anything like this. This is not our purpose or our aim or something that we even, the Buddha would even encourage. The Buddhist most he would say for psychic powers was that if, if they happen to occur, it's all right, but don't grasp them and don't, don't try to, don't try to, uh, and don't perform them for public display. In fact, there's an amusing story in the sutras about bhikkhus who, who put on magic shows of psychic powers, and the Buddha says, "Foolish bhikkhu, <laughs> this is this is not becoming behavior for a samana." <clears throat> One thing we can know though is that that what the Digitapola actually what's motivating her, I'm not quite sure what it is, or is that I don't know that this is something that that leaves the mind quite empty and blank. That it's uh, that uh she could not explain it to me in any satisfactory way. Um, she wanted me to agree, definitely, with what she was doing as being right, which I couldn't honestly do. I didn't don't agree with her. But this is the way it is, that, that, uh, that people come and go, some people understand, some people don't understand, some people can uh, use these situations for reflection and wisdom, other people can, can only be caught in their feelings or reactions. it is uh because of the subtlety of this way then it is uh one doesn't expect very many people to uh, to appreciate it because i think magical powers and and all of that are much more kind of fascinating to most people who want to be told what to believe in and and uh if you meet any of Sai Baba's uh, followers they're, they're absolutely agog over the things that he can do and it is they is—they're very impressive, I admit be able to manifest uh, material items out of the palms of your hands or whatever something that's very impressive because you know, none of us can do that Ajahn Chah never did it and uh, be able to read minds and be and, uh, able to do all kinds of, of things, powerful things, with the mind. But, the, but this is, is still uh, of a lesser nature, isn't it? This is, not, this is not Lokutra Dhamma, this is not transcendence. This is merely the ability to, to, to use power with the mind and this worldly plane. So this is not to be encouraged in, in Buddhism. We're not this is not praised, not encouraged, not uh, given a, any real importance. What is important is the real for the Buddhist is the realization of Nibbana, seeing the truth of the way it is, the Dhamma. Uh, whether we have, a, um, if I feel I have a mission or a, something to accomplish, uh, or that I have been instructed by the, the Lord, or that all this kind of, or I have longings for some kind of uh, worship and and devotional life, sometimes this this way can seem uh, lacking in that kind of devotional. Emphasis: the strong devotional uh, side is is not really that important in the Gnostic forms of religion, and so that uh, where in the devotional forms, the bhakti type of religious uh, experiences are all based on the on the the heart and the, and all the emotions that one can generate. Uh, from the from the heart chakra, becoming completely, say, uh, involved in 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 devotional, in positive devotional feelings, attitudes, which is certainly a um, very happy experience, very beautiful. Not to to. Uh, Deny its importance. In fact, uh, we really, uh, in sometimes in Western Vipassana, there's absolutely no devotion, is there? You go into the Vipassanini groups, and there's uh, hardly, you know, devotion is almost like a taboo, or they really, really despise any kind of chanting or bowing or symbolism. You get the, repasan luan luan types, or the ones that want just, just. We we're not into any of these silly ceremonies, conventions, and and hocus pocus practices. Well, here we do try to, we do try to provide the necessary devotional opportunities, reflections, in the. On just on the metta practice and the um, sharing of punya and the reflections on the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, all these, as we uh, say develop that side, a sense of gratitude, of joy, of love, of respect, uh, arise in our heart. Now if if you're asked to, to have this, I mean, and you don't, of course it. It's uh, one thing you can't do is make yourself. You can pretend to be devotional, but that's not. That's just merely maybe a an effort of of putting of an, putting on an act for a while of devotion. But the actual opening of the heart, the gratitude, the love it happens in this life when it's ripe. When the time is ripe. It's. It just happened. Didn't happen for me until I had about six years. And six years as a bhikkhu before I, before my heart chakra opened up with gratitude. It opened up with this marvelous sense of love and gratitude to the teacher, Ajahn Chah, and to the Buddha and all the Thai people that had been supporting me and that the whole the whole thing all that whole day before I'd merely just more or less i', didn't, I you know I was quite grateful and and uh, well, I thought you know it's quite it wasn't that I wasn't grateful all those years, but there was there wasn't this real opening, a sense of what they call the done you got the way the, the heart really opens up to a to a brightness and a sense of tremendous thank thankfulness and gratitude to to the Buddha for having the compassion to teach and 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 teach in a way that the the whole the whole thing survives so that I could get into it but I was so grateful that he was that the Gautamata Buddha was so clever a teacher that he could provide a, whole, a, a way that, that the whole teaching could be preserved and carried on so, to, to, so that I could practice it and realize that teaching. And then, of course, to the, to the actual teacher I had, Po Cha in Thailand, who had been tremendously patient with me and uh, generous and wise. Then to to the people in Thailand, to the government who'd given me a residence visa, and uh, to the the whole system. A sense of gratitude. Uh, uh, this lovely opening of the of the heart with gratitude and joy for all the goodness and the in the wonder of this way. Before that, my six years. Before that was very much based on as a vipassanini, mm. my practice. What I, I've got to develop my practice, and I got to, uh, mm. and uh, more or less was looking at the place as a convenient location so I could practice. Thailand, you could. They were quite willing to. They give you a visa to stay, and you could, and they quite welcome. They would welcome you in the monasteries, and they'd feed you, and and if you were halfway decent at all, they doors were wide open. People were very hospitable, and and uh, and so it was just an easy place to go and to practice because the people were all willing to put up with you and support you, and and even support your selfishness. You could be so selfish in Thailand just thinking that you're actually doing them a favor by being in their country and practicing. White people can be so arrogant. (laughs) But yet, that had to come on its own. There was no way one could say, you should feel grateful for all they've done for you, because then Uh, that wouldn't have worked. They go, well, of course I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for that. But that's not, that's up here in your head, isn't it? You know you should be grateful for people's generosity. Oh, yes, I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. That's not, that's not from the heart, is it? It's not like a heart opening up. But in our life, of course, some people, I mean, when you're, some people will, will appreciate it some well. In In Thailand, in, in my time here in England, there's always been those who, who are, who really seem to develop and appreciate it. And, and then there are those that don't seem to quite get it ever. But um, that's just the way it is. It's just, uh, just uh, that has to, one has to accept that as just part of life's experience. With uh, Sister Jitapola gone now we have to realize there's a kind of sadness because I think we all loved her very much, and uh, there's very there's always a sense of sadness to see someone you love go away isn't it one's never glad to see someone you love go away, so that when they and especially when they go away with the attitude of, of uh, somehow not quite understanding or misunderstood the whole thing. And no matter how much you try to get, try to explain it, it doesn't seem to quite sink. So sink in. So there's a sense of frustration or or exasperation. Like Krishnamurti. Why can't you understand <laughs> I, i'm more sympathetic with him than i've ever been actually <laughs> it's uh in, when when you now this particular path of the the four noble truth and especially on the you see, with, with, uh, with the bhakti kind of devotional way, it's all very positive and affirmative. It's all the inspired side of, uh, of religion. It's a uh, uh, complete affirmation and positiveness. And uh, therefore, it's a very inspired form. And of course, you, you can get very high on that. It's a radiance you get a very radiant quality to you, and you, you get very high on it. Remember, one time uh, Tad and I were in Cambridge for a weekend, and we decided to take a walk out in the countryside. I'm walking out in the countryside, and saw this, going through this woodland, and there were these uh, men sawing logs in this woodland. and so. We were in our robes, and they looked at us, and rather startled, and then they, then they stopped sawing the, these logs, and they said, uh, what are you? And we said, we're Buddhist monks, and they said, oh, and then uh, they said, what, what is it you believe in? And we started to say a few things, and then the kind of leader, the, the head man, came up, and he started giving this absolutely fantastic testimonial to Jesus Christ. And and it was most moving, I must say, and he uh, kind of radiant. He actually, this aura of radiant, this joy and love, and his eyes were aglow. And he was witnessing for Jesus Christ. And it was very, very moving. Very, I must admit, Tanamo and I were quite moved by it, standing there and uh so i said to him i said oh, i think that's wonderful i'm so happy for you and then he then he then he started having a go at buddhism and of course the sparkle then the aura left when the negativity came in and i thought that's how it works isn't it i mean you one is terribly impressed by this this very radiant quality that you can get from that from being inspired and then but it goes when it when when any negative state enters the mind it just collapses so that this 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 negative side you see tends to be rejected in that form of religious practice it's it's never never looked at never recognized because the important thing is to always affirm and and build up this sense of Radiant power and and total commitment, and belief in in the in the particular doctrines or teachings. Now the the Buddhist path, as you've been seen more and more, is about how things arise and cease. So the cessation is is, is we 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 emphasize the realization of cessation, which is. In, in in devotional religious forms is never mentioned, except that like in Christianity where the devil tempts you if you have a doubt or you, you have any kind of question in your mind about God and Jesus and all that, you, that's the devil tempting you. So you have to completely suppress any kind of temptation from the devil. And uh, so that one tends to say, in that religious pattern uh, only get to that level of radiance uh, that is very dependent upon uh, conditions. So it's the rising state. It's the high. It's the brahmalokas. It's the the the, the jhanas that take you into the brahmalokas and into the radiant qualities. Like, like if you, in Buddhist uh, cosmology, you have the the Deva realms, the um, Chatu Maharajas, the four Maharajas, the guardians of the world, Dawa Dingsa heaven, and that's the heaven above, just above us. The Tavatimsa heaven is very closely related to the planet Earth, and then there's the the Yama, Tusita, uh, Nimanarati, and Varnamitavasa These are the. These are the realms of refinement, refined forms. Then the the Brahma realms above the Deva realms are the radiant, the radiances. Those lists of Brahma, levels of Brahma uh, in the cosmology are all about radiation. It's all the, the radiant qualities of the mind that are developed in that. That is that is through uh, the through concentration and, and that inspiring uh, attachment to inspiration. And it's, of course it's quite refined and very beautiful. But in the human realm, the human being, we have, just due to the, to the heaviness and coarseness of our human body, means that, that our ability to, to uh, experience that is always being countered by just the necessities of having to live and take care of our human state, our physical body. And so the Buddha, Buddhist teaching, is a, is a teaching to no longer to try to escape or to ignore, but to include and to recollect ourselves to be able to see how things really are within this uh, form that we find ourselves, this human experience. That's what the Four Noble Truths are about, to be able to see the cessation of that inspiration and that which arises up, reaches the peak, and then nothing can go, uh, even even the Brahma realms come to an end. It can only go so high, and then they stop. And then what? And if you're, if you're not prepared to look at the cessation of things, you know, that's where many people panic. They don't want to know that. It, it frightens them. Some people are absolutely terrified of cessation because they see it only as annihilation, as depression, as despair, as death, as negativity, as doubt, as uncertainty, as the unknown, the frightening, all that the the black hole, the darkness. It's very frightening, and you want the radiant lights, the bright lights, the jazzy lights, the, the pretty the pretty uh, light displays, rather than then bear with those lights going out and leaving you in the dark, in the unknown, and, and so forth. And this is where the, the Buddha say, excels, is his emphasis on the teaching of recognizing the unknown, realizing the cessation. Because on that alone takes you to the realization of Nibbana, or perfect peace transcendence, it's a transcendent path, it's a lo dhamma or the, the, the truth of the transcendence, of the deathless. Not by trying to hold on to illusions of eternal inspiration and radiance, but by understanding the whole process of birth and death, rising and passing, and no longer attaching to it, no longer identifying or holding or being reborn through the desires for that rebirth in a pleasant realm. Now, the whole uh, psychology behind the Buddhist teaching, as as we have it in the Theravada school, the Pali Canon, it's quite a brilliant psychological approach uh th- because as i've been discussing with you uh the, how, how the whole way of thinking changes how the the way of saying things and regarding things changes from the i am to there is uh words like nibbana and are quite enigmatic in in, in in, uh, in our uh, experience, aren't they? Nibbana is a fascinate people because they tend, to, they tend to think of it as a Buddhist heaven or a place where, you're, where you have a kind of blissful happiness all the time, rather than the, the meaning of non-attachment to the conditioned realm the realization of non-attachment to the conditioned realm which is a subtlety that that uh, most people don't even understand at all, do they? if you've never never really practiced or know anything about it, then let's say your main interest in life would be to maybe go to heaven, where you're going to be happy all the time isn't it that's what heaven is uh, in our mind. everybody wants say the the untrained unenlightened human being wants happiness, wants to feel loved and safe and happy where, every, where it's light and and beautiful and everything's nice heaven but Nibbāna non-attachment to the conditioned realm is even that is, is, uh, what, what does that mean? most people would not understand that at all would they? most people, they outside of the sangha would not have a clue of what the value of that, or would find that in any way something they'd want. They look at it as, if you say non-attachment, as a kind of callous indifference to everything, a kind of a blank and, a, and total indifference to to love and and uh, joy and happiness and beauty and truth and all the the most high, the most high ideals of human experience uh, I'm unattached not attached to any of it do not cling to anything that's a Buddhist we do not we don't care about anything totally indifferent to the whole lot not like you Christians who are always wanting to be happy and live with God forever up in a blissful state with angels playing harps but unattachment non-attachment to the conditioned realm is is a even in that way of phrasing it it has to be reflected on and considered what is the conditioned realm the, the realm of birth and death the conditioned realm and and if you and if you don't investigate or reflect on the way things are then then you then you think of of eternal happiness or uh, Heavenly realm as something that would be very nice, for example, the jehovah's witnesses they 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 with their literature they portray pictures that are like childlike pictures of heaven, which generally look like Switzerland they have mountains and lake and pine trees, and everything's green with blue water and little bunnies and deers and, and young people. They're never old men or old women in that place. They're all young and, and everything's nice and pretty forevermore. Can you imagine living in Switzerland for eternity? <laughs> I mean, people that live in Switzerland are certainly not experiencing heaven most of the time. And yet, we can have such a childlike uh, uh, attitude that we think that that if we had everything we wanted and everything were pretty and everybody was nice, (laughs) and yet when you really contemplate that, that 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 wouldn't be very nice actually, to have to live like that forever. Because Happiness is very much what we enjoy because of suffering, isn't it? We're happy when we're, when we, when if we, if we were just, if there were no possibilities of suffering, we would get so bored with happiness, with everything being heavenly. And that's what people do in these affluent countries, they get so fed up bored and neurotic with all the heavenly things they have around them. And so that obviously that, that heaven is not a not something that I mean if you if you're a reflective person, that it sounds like anything you want anymore, that you would aim at. Where in Nibbana, non attachment, freedom from delusion, non-attachment to the conditioned realm, freedom from delusion, now that sounds something really worth aiming at, trying for, to me anyway. To just be happy is is not something that that appeals to me very much uh, if it depends on just getting things that I want. I would find that meaningless, just to, to get everything that I wanted is uh, and 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 happiness is say that kind of happiness is a, the kind of happiness that you feel when you get what you want, and then then you get what you want, you're happy, and then you have to want something else to be happy, because you can't stay happy when once you get what you want, you're only happy for a little while, and then in order to then the whole process starts again, you have to get something else. You have to want something else, you start wanting something else and then when you get it you're happy for a little while and that's what what the capitalist system depends on, that whole modern capitalism provides us with endless possibilities for getting things so that we can be happy. Now um, the the rea- the nibbana, uh, the non-attachment things, isn't isn't a happiness of getting or of everything being nice, or what we want, but of not being attached to things, to be able to see things clearly, and to to be able, to, which means that when we see clearly, then we respond not through greed, hatred, and delusion, but through compassion, through through joy, through love our responses are are appropriate and suitable to the situations we're in rather than conditioned reactions or overreactions through uh, our various forms of delusion. Sister one hopes that in her new life that she does fulfill herself. That she finds her happiness or her mission or in, in one, there's no kind of, of uh, you know, doesn't feel any kind of meanness of heart. Or uh, one only can wish her well. And, uh, and this we, we can all do, is wish her well. And we can watch our own hearts in regards to this, see, to see the, the doubt, the, the sadness, the, the disappointment maybe, or the, the different emotional states, feelings, that come in regard to uh, Sister Gita Paula's leaving. Well, it is apparent, isn't it? How that it, you you just we do affect each other's lives. So we, we we do, you know, when we come and go, and when we 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 uh, relate to each other, we we are. There's a certain amount of of um, say feeling there. We're not just even though. The, the way is non-attachment, we're still gonna feel things, aren't we? We're still gonna feel sadness even though we're not attached. It's just the way things are. When you when you see a, something sad, when you see it or hear about it, the sadness is, is, a, is a natural feeling. It's not a kind of, not a neurotic problem. In uh, in Thai, they have a special word just for the kind of uh, sadness you feel when you see something that's unpleasant. There's, a, there's this kind of sadness that you create about uh, from the from a you know feeling sorry for yourself, and then there's the sadness to the heart of having to look at something that is uh, sad and unpleasant to see, like in India when I remember. Uh, when I was traveling in India as a monk, I had this tremendous sadness there because so much of what you had to see was so pathetic and sad. You had to, to look you know, like in Calcutta where there's so many kind of people without any place, any homes, and having to all families living out sleeping on the pavements and and all these remember. Going on the train from from Bombay to Calcutta across the Deccan Plateau in the hot season, looking out the train window, these hovels on by the railway tracks, and seeing women uh, hardly recognisable as even human, crawling out of these hovels, with all covered with dust and hair matted, with ba- with a baby attached to them, and, you, and it's so sad to see with your eyes. You looked and you. And you could, you know, it was really a sense of sadness that arose, the, the suffering, the, the poverty, that these people probably never, ever had uh, probably uh, enough to eat in their whole life. They look like they've never been, ever had a proper meal, some of them. And so, this doesn't mean we're, when there's non-attachment, that means we're indifferent. It means we're truly sensitive to the way things are. You're willing to bear with the sadness of life, with the, with the vicissitudes, the, the movement and change, and the, the aging process, and the pain, and the, and the disappointments, and, the, and so forth, that we're all subjected to through having been born as human beings and which are part of our life's experiences. So as far as other religions go, and and in, uh, in Wales and these kind of things, I've I've always tried to try to keep open and uh, to and and on good terms, an open door to the uh, other to good people of other religions mm-hmm. so There's not nothing to be to uh, to uh, despise or looked down on, but uh, you know, when one is when one is uh, able to say, uh, present such a complete and truly fulfilling path as this one, you certainly want to encourage people to keep going on it, rather than because they they might be they they might you know one can get pretty fed up with with what you what you're doing, and or you, you might be dazzled or fascinated or entranced by some other group or religion. And so, I mean, that's it's just like when you, like marriage, you get, after ten years, get pretty bored with the same old partner, everyone else looks a lot more attractive. <laughs> The ones you haven't lived with for 10 years begin to look, you know, really look very attractive. The one you've lived with for 10 years, you know everything about them. No mystery. But then in the, in the ho- uh, in married life also, and in, in, the, and in the religious life, it's the, it's the willingness to bear with that, that dreary plane. That's where the real maturity takes place, where you're not asking to have a romance or a love affair or get high or be inspired anymore. You're you're willing to look at the cessation of things and bear with the, and, re, and, and study and investigate that whole process. And through that, you transcend the cycle. There's a maturity and a development and wisdom that comes from understanding the process where you'll never grow up if you're just seeking another romance or a new exciting experience or another inspiring or meaningful or purpose to your life or whatever. So in there, one can only encourage to to stay with it rather than to go along with people's uh, whims, fancies, and desires. Now what you do, I mean, well, that's up to you. <laughs> so, but the uh, definitely the, the the compassionate thing for me is the try to keep your attention and 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 encourage you to to stick with what you're doing, to stay with it till you fully realise and comprehend and have that insight and that freedom and that uh, true peace that comes from non-attachment.